stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey guys, welcome back for your second uh, episode of the Grimerica Show. Um, uh, looks by, like by the ticker that we've got a few people listening anyway from all over the world, so we're glad to have you. Welcome back. Hopefully you came back for the second show. With me, as always, is my co-host, Graham. How's it going, Graham? What's hey, it's new? going great. I'm excited about our, our first podcast on iTunes now. Yeah, it's available on iTunes. We got approved. It only took a couple of days. Actually, it was pretty quick, so that's good. We are uh, we are listed under explicit. I don't know what that does uh, to anything, but I mean, I mean, most people listen to podcasts, I'd imagine, are over 18 anyway. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's, that's okay. Anyone who listens to this podcast is over 18. Let's keep it explicit for a while, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no doubt. I, I find it a little better uh, being able to not watch our mouths and let people kind of just go where they go. Yeah. Um, so what's new with you this week? What have you been up to in your off time? Uh, well, I'm on day uh, 32 of 90 of my commitment to uh, daily intense exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds it's, it's, just, feel, it's feeling pretty good, actually. That sounds just terrible. Daily intense exercise. Well, it's not 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 always super intense, but I try and do a little bit every day. So, I went golfing on the weekend, so that was my <laughs> that was my. I actually did quite a bit of yard work too. I did all my yard work Saturday so that I could go golfing on Sunday. Oh, that's good. It was the only sunny day of the week. We've been getting way too much rain. Yeah, it looks like it's doing it again here. So. Yeah, but uh, it's pretty funny. I was actually looking around on my Twitter today, and I seen there was a post about. May 25th being the 25th anniversary of the Phoenix Lander and they were kind of like listing all the top uh, not the top but the, all the things we've learned about Mars in the last five years and it's like uh, confirming water and stuff like that I just thought it was pretty funny where we were just talking to a guy that's been saying there's water on Mars for the last 15 years liquid water at that yeah, if you haven't heard our first podcast, it was with Efrain Palermo about his uh, research on the stains on Mars and how he kind of figured out uh, it was water about a decade before they actually came out and admitted it. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, if you haven't heard it, you should listen to it. I noticed we had an, an awful lot of downloads in the Portland area, so thanks Efrain for getting our, <laughs> getting our audience started. Oh, yeah, so I, I emailed Mars One today, too. Okay. <laughs> they have a uh, a press division for interviews and such like that, so I emailed asking for an interview, so maybe we can find out once and for all if it's a scam or not. Oh, no, that would be a good idea. Get them on, on the podcast for an interview? Yeah, we'll see what they say. I mean... We're not. It's our third episode, or they might not. We might not be ready yet, but I mean, it was worth a shot. Yeah, we've had some feedback already that some people think it's bunk too. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we can get them on, and they can speak for themselves. You think that that would give me priority in the lineup then? Maybe. <laughs> maybe they'll just offer you right there on the air, and you'll have to make a split decision. Here's my forty bucks. Yeah. Yes or no, right now. Yes or no. Five, four, three. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. No you're gone see you later if that happens I'll be looking for a new co-host so you can uh, send your applications to feedback at grimerica.ca <laughs> anyway speaking about the website we've got the new site up and running um, works a lot better looks a lot better than the old one 
Um, the the coolest thing about the the new site is you can just sign up if you're uh, looking to try some writing or do some contributing you can just go in and down in the bottom left corner you can sign up and that automatically makes you a Grimerica contributor so you type up your submissions and you um, you post them and we take a look at them and then if we like them we publish them so it's a, a place to get your foot in the door or maybe do a little venting whatever whatever you like and feel free to to make some comments on the show on the website as well let us know what you like what you don't like yeah it looks really good thanks for uh, putting in all that work yeah it wasn't too bad the problem was that I designed the whole fucking thing the first time and I had a pretty good idea of how to do how to do the transfer but I was like you know what I pay we pay so much a year for our web space so they have professionals I might as well let them do it of course the professionals are from the other side of the world and there's probably a communication issue because what they ended up doing was deleting both websites. So if you went to fucking grimerica.com or .ca, all you got was 404, white page, nothing. So, and this was probably about 11.30 at night. It started with the problems. So I was on with them. They deleted everything. I kind of freaked out a little bit. And then he was able to restore it but it was like none of the content was really there. And so then I had lost, we, we, lost, we had basically lost five months of content because once that shit's gone, there's no way to get it back. The only place we've got it is, was online. So mm. he was able to restore it, but with no pictures and a bunch of my design was gone. So it took me till about one or two in the morning to get it all straightened out. And I still ended up having to, to do about another eight hours of work in. And that's not the only thing that's been deleted recently. Considering this is our a tardy intro to RPJ's interview. Yeah, yeah, that one's on me though. That one I can't blame on anyone but myself. Um, we had actually recorded this um, a couple days ago, and when I went to try and put it all together together last night, I noticed that I had deleted it. Uh, you know what happened is because we had done it at the same time as we did the E-frame. So I had them both saved as for the E-Frame interview. And then, of course, as soon as I finished the E-Frame and it was posted, I mean, those files take up a lot of space. The raw data files, before they're all converted, they're like almost a gigabyte each. And we have mm -hmm. so many different copies of my computer, they build up really quick. Mm -hmm. So as soon as the E-Frame was posted, I deleted everything E-Frame. I mean, we've always got, I've got a master copy of every interview. As soon as we're done, it instantly gets uploaded to our cloud account. So we'll never lose those. But um, I think I might start uploading these ones as soon as we're done too, because it sucks to lose, uh, sucks to lose content. Yeah, no kidding. I can't even remember what we talked about. Yeah, it was probably gold though. It was probably gold. <laughs> it felt gold. <laughs> no matter how good this one is, the other one was fucking better. Yeah, it felt like gold. So in the meantime, I've been reading Micah's book uh, because we've got Micah Hanks coming up uh, and uh, talking about his book, UFO Singularity. I mean, I saw, I've seen his lecture a couple times, <clears throat> and uh, sometimes I feel like I don't need to read the books when I see people talk about it live or, or uh, on podcast or video. But this was really, really good. I, I'm so glad that I... I put the time in to read the book. I honestly feel like he he grabbed all these ideas and all these thoughts I've had and he just, out of my head, and he put them on paper. It was great. So I can't wait to talk to him about uh, getting into his book there. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a really good read. I've still got about 50 pages left I've got to read. We have Mike on in two days. 
so I'll probably read them tomorrow and be ready to go for Wednesday but the first 200 pages have been fantastic I've really enjoyed them um, I, I read his first book too magic mysticism and the molecule and I liked it but uh, this one this one I've been enjoying a lot more for sure and then of course after Micah we've got Scotty Roberts so we've got kind of the two paradigm princes in a row back to back <laughs> oh boy <laughs> So I'm sure we'll be talking some Paradigm Symposium along the way, too. Calgary was just voted, like, the second highest place in Canada for UFOs. Oh, yeah? And Canada's a hot spot right now, too. Yeah, I just read that the other day. Huh. Canada's one of the higher countries, and Calgary's the second highest city. Or maybe not Canada's one of the higher. Maybe it's Canada's doubled or something. But Chris Rutowski, I've got one of his books here. He's a, he's a pretty good ufologist in Canada. I think he came out with one of those uh, stories. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Maybe that that might be where I heard it, but I was reading it and they had it all uh, broken down by city. I think Toronto was number one hmm. for some reason. I'm thinking Toronto was number one. Uh, pretty funny how you haven't heard anything about all these Monsanto protests going on all over North America in the mainstream. I haven't heard anything about it other than Twitter, actually. Yeah, that's pretty sad. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of like 50-50 with Monsanto because, like, part of me says shit like that is the future and it's inevitable. Oh, man. But then, yeah, but it doesn't have to happen the way it happens. That's no, no, that's what's fucked up about it. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe not in our lifetime or our kids' lifetime, but if humanity's still around 100 or 200 years down the road, then it's going to be have to be in some sort of either some sort of population control or you got to feed all these people somehow right yeah without yeah. absolutely devastating the planet's resources yeah There's or only... killing animals yeah exactly so that should make you fucking happy you should be pro gmo <laughs> no Let's i don't like GMO. the way it, i don't like the way it, it happens <laughs> no it's fucked up because it's corporations doing it and it's yeah, all it's, secret it's, and yeah it's pills. all uh... yeah i know what you mean it's fucked yeah. up monsanto is an evil corporation but um GMOs in general, I think, are inevitable. Maybe not in our lifetime, like I say, but in our in mankind's future as a whole, GMOs have to come along the way. Unless we can, as my as the singularity says, somehow merge with machines and just like maybe plug in the wall or stare at the sun. <laughs> well, you better be careful what you say about corporations like that. You'll have the Monsanto Men in Black at your door. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, what about, did you see those crazy tornadoes? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. Oh, man, it just yeah. leveled the place. F5. Those are rare. Just fucking decimated. Alex so, Jones is saying harp, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, eh? It's always harp. Well, there's some interesting stuff about weather modification instruments. Yeah, I haven't looked into it much. Maybe it, the the thing that sets it off to me is that DARPA or whatever it is owns a lot of it, twenty five percent or something. So yeah, it's got to be up to something. But I don't know if it's causing tornadoes on its own people. Yeah, I don't really see what the purpose of that is. I wonder how long it is before you can just hack the fucking weather. <laughs> life hack. I seen a thing how to make some cool IKEA speakers on a life hack. All right, well, on to our guest Our guest for this episode. We actually did the interview uh, about a week and a half ago or a week ago 
Uh, we're a little behind, but our guest is the uh, mysterious red pill junkie, of course. Uh, one of the more prolific, um, one of the more prolific Fortean bloggers out there. He blogs on MU, Intrepid Magazine, Daily Grail, um, among others. Not to men- mention comments on basically everything on the internet. Yeah, he does the uh, red pills of the week on Mysterious Universe, and I think he contributes to uh, the Grayling Report in some capacity. Yeah, the red pills of the week are definitely my favorite. We uh, we met him in person at the Paradigm Symposium 2012 in Minnesota, which Scotty Roberts and Micah Hanks put on, and uh, it was just great being able to chat with him for like hours and pick his brain about stuff. And he's such an interesting character, and um, he came in with in with this uh, with this mask. What? Oh yeah, the luchador mask. Luchador mask, yeah. <laughs> and I thought I thought. I wonder if that's Red Pill Junkie, because we didn't really know who he was at the time. Yeah, I forgot all about that. What an entrance. Yeah. <laughs> Tall guy. It was great to talk with him, and, and he's uh, such an interactive guy, right? Like, if you comment on any of his stories, he's always uh, willing to put the time in to get back to you or ask you questions or answer your questions. Um, it's just really, really good to have that uh, communication all lines always open with him. Yeah, yeah, me and him got in shit for talking too much during the dinner panel at Paradise Symposium, I remember that. Yeah, I tried to to derail that with no success. Scotty Roberts had to come over and hush you guys up. Even that didn't work. I was like slowly pushing my chair away from the table, <laughs> trying to get out of there. It was a good time. That's when I got on TV too, so yeah. double whammy. Yeah. But no, it's pretty good. Uh, Red Pill's been... Uh, even when I first started doing some blogging on Daily Grail and first started the website, um, he's kind of been a bit of a mentor all along the way and providing us with some helpful feedback and, and helping us get things to where they are today. So so uh, it's definitely going to be pretty exciting to, to pick his brain for an hour and a half. Yeah, and he did the artwork actually for our... Um, our podcast and he did it after our interview I believe so it's it, yeah. now that we have this tardy intro we're able to actually talk about that and, and what a what a great job he did on that and I don't know about I'm, I'm tripping out a little bit here because I swear to god I've seen that artwork like that exact picture I don't know if I've got memories from the future or something like that but honestly it gives me a creepy deja vu that whole thing with the UFO plugged into the headphones and the the Easter Island guy, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. So, Oh, yeah, he did an absolutely phenomenal job on the artwork. It looks just fantastic. Thanks a lot, uh, Red Pill. We appreciate that. Yeah, that was definitely, that was after the interview, so we can't, uh, we don't talk about it in the interview because we. I think I asked him a couple of days later. Yeah. So that's what our podcast art is. So I'm sure you've all seen it. You're probably looking at it on your iPhone right now. That is drawn. Another... Uh, just another avenue of the mysterious red pill junkie. All right, well, enough chatting about RPJ. Let's uh, let's get him on the show here. Without any further ado, this is a red pill junkie. Yeah, this was a great chat, so I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it.
Alright guys, we're here this week. We've we've got the mysterious and compelling red pill junkie. Um, just, uh, well, first let's uh, say hi to Graham. How are you doing this week, Graham? Hey, I'm doing great. Okay, great. Uh, thanks for coming, Red. Uh, thanks for inviting me, man. I know it's, I'm a little nervous. I'm glad that you guys are the first to <laughs> pop my podcast cherry, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's awesome. Well, be gentle with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the the first question on everyone's mind is um, just who is Red Pill Junkie and how did he how did he come to be so prolific in the world of Fortiana? Who is indeed? Well, I guess I started using the uh, the nickname around 2006 2007. I was um, uh, checking out Alan Boyle's uh, uh, Cosmic Log on MSNBC, and from there, I, I managed to find out uh, the Daily Grail, dailygrail.com, and I became a regular member there, and after a little while, uh, the, uh, the administrator of that, web that website, uh, Greg Taylor, asked me to become one of his new, uh, news admins, his news admins uh, collaborators, no? the ones who, who write uh, the, the weekly news briefs for the site. And at first I was like, oh my God, I know I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to be able to do this. No? My English is not that good. <laughs> no? Where am I going to find interesting stuff, uh, interesting, interesting links to put? Uh, he asked me to think about it, and after uh, spending a few weeks, you know, I, I think it was uh, New Year's, uh, I was on, on a vacation with my family, and I said, you know what, the hell with it, you know, let's let's do this. I, wa I want to do this. Uh, and from there, I started to uh, find, thanks to the Daily Grail, I started to find all these other cool Websites, you know, Radio Misterioso, UFO, UFO Mystic, Cryptomundo, and I like to comment on things. You know, if, if, if I find something interesting, something interesting, I like to uh, give my input, and from there, you know, things start to build up, uh, and you know, uh, then uh, our friends from Australia, uh, Benjamin Grundy and Aaron Wright, ask me to become one of the regular contributors at Mysterious Universe, you know? And I've, I've managed to keep myself busy. Yeah, no doubt. The red pills are definitely, um, out, of, out of all your work, that's definitely my favorite. I, I try not to miss them. They're great. We actually, we link to them at America, so they must be good. And I, yeah, I, well, love, uh, how, I love how uh, how often you comment on on everything and how many different uh, venues you're you're kind of involved in, and you seem to really have that knack of finding unusual stuff. <laughs> Even that little video on uh, on MU recently, that old Star Trek, Star Trek uh, uh, Singularity one. Like, where do you uh, find that stuff? The feature. I don't know. It's yeah. from the first uh, Star Trek motion picture. I love that movie. <laughs> Oh, I love Star Trek. See, that's the thing. You should see this guy's fucking Twitter feed, Graham. You got to get on Twitter. That's like all day long. This shit just bombards <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, I will very soon, probably. Uh, you went to see the the last Star Trek movie, right? Last is the yeah. I went last, last night? night. Yeah. How was it? Um, it was. It caught me off guard. It'll it'll catch you off guard. I don't want to give away too much, but. It was good. It it had some humor to it. 
Um, overall, I liked it. There was a, t- a couple times I was a little disappointed, but mm. um, it'll definitely. I'd imagine word's going to get out pretty quick, but I don't want to play spoiler for you two. But um, there's a pretty big twist, like almost right at the beginning, where you realize where the movie's going. Okay. Um, and kind of how it relates to the old ones. And it's pretty interesting. But I, I will say this, without uh, this doesn't give, give really too much away. It's just the, the first two-minute scene of the movie. Um, I will say a spoiler alert for anyone who's going to be listening who hasn't seen the movie. This is only the opening five minutes. But if you don't want to hear anything, maybe just turn down your radio. Um, so the opening scene, they're on uh, a planet. And it just so happens it's called uh, Nibiru. Uh-huh. And there's uh, this volcano that's going to erupt. So Kirk and McCoy go down, and they they disguise themselves to distract these ancient tribes people. They steal this sacred scroll and run away with it. So all these people chase them out of the village, away from the erupting volcano, and mm-hmm. uh, it saves them. And then anyway, they end up jumping in the water and swimming down to the bottom of the ocean. And the Enterprise is there, parked on the bottom of the sea. And Spock's in the volcano trying to stop the eruption, and his line gets severed, so he's stuck there. And Kirk has to choose whether he's going to let Spock die or follow the Prime Directive, right? Which is not letting anyone ever see you. Yeah, the Prime Directive that they they keep uh, breaking every scene. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, every single time. So, of course, Kirk decides he's going to save Spock. So the Enterprise, fuck comes busting out of the ocean and goes over the volcano and out of sight. But all these tribes, people see it, right? And yeah. all the, right away, the shaman starts drawing the Enterprise in the sand with his <laughs> stick. And then they all start bowing towards it, right? So I just thought it was a hilarious little play on, on Ancient Aliens. I'm sure Giorgio Tsoukalos just loved it. Mm. So the Ancient Aliens uh, dive in the, in the movies, it's still going strong. Yeah, exactly. That's actually me and Graham were just talking about that before we came on with you about how, you know, it seems these little subtle things, maybe maybe disclosure is happening. It's not even subtle. It's just so obvious. Well, uh, all, there's always been talk that uh, the Hollywood industry has been used by the CIA and the, and the U.S. government in order to uh, uh, condition the public to the idea that that we're not alone, that we are being regularly visited by all these uh, different civilizations, so it won't be so much such such a shock when it actually happens, you know? There's yeah. this guy, Robbie Graham, he, he runs a wonderful blog, Silver Screen Saucers, and he's going to publish a book, I think, uh, this year, and he uh, his thing is to, to, to investigate all these claims, you know, the, the, the links between the intelligence community and the and the entertainment industry, isn't he doing even his uh, his master's or his doctorate based on that? Uh, he actually dropped he, he dropped out of the the, the doctorate. Oh wow! You know, he he decided that he wanted to pursue his career as a as an investigator, and that you know, his uh, his studies were coming in the way. Wow! Huh. But he's so, uh, he allied himself with this guy uh, Bryce Zabel, you know, yeah. the guy yeah. Who, yeah. who wrote the book After Disclosure with Rich Dolan, yeah. and he's also the producer of this 
this really cool uh, TV series, Dark Sky. Uh, yeah. Do, do you remember it? Yeah, I watched it a couple of years ago. It was great. Yeah. Absolutely great. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen that one. I, I've yeah. been watching that new one that came out, but it seems like they only got three three made. I actually I read after Disclosure though. It was it was pretty good. I liked it. There were interest, some interesting points about it. That how Disclosure. Uh, it seems that it's never going to happen, but it's somehow inevi inevitable, right? You know that we're not never going to be fully ready for disclosure. The same way uh, a, uh, a young man is never fully ready to become a parent now, but sooner or later <laughs> you're going to have to, I love that. to, yeah. to put up that, you know? You know how to rise to the occasion. That's a great analogy. And then yes. one, one day you just wake up and you're doing a great job, right? It seems to Fact. happen like that. Or so, uh, so that yeah, kind of leads me to a question that, that well one of my questions was your thoughts on disclosure and and uh, you know you and I have been back and forth on some forums about it a little bit yeah. like during yeah. uh, Dry America podcast and that type of thing but for me um, when people always seem to think oh disclosure like they're gonna admit all the stuff like for me the meaning of disclosure is just just when the scientific community and the media kind of opens up and starts taking it seriously, right? Like, I don't care about the government admitting stuff so much as just everybody else being able to actually just uh, accept that it's a legitimate phenomena. Yeah, exactly. Because the politicians, they're always going to uh, go with the flow, you know? Mm -hmm. If disclosure becomes an, an, an important issue in the political agenda, then some, somebody eventually will jump in the disclosure wagon, the same way oh, that yeah. somebody eventually jumped into the gay rights wagon. Yeah, but, good point. But that was because the gay, the, the gay rights community fought and they protested and they became uh, be, uh, made the issue uh, visible and uh, and relevant uh, for uh, for the public. Yeah, that's a good point. Not until then, uh, the, the politicians never never raised their, their necks, no, yeah. uh, on, a, on on such a, a controversial issue. Yeah, but you know, uh, back to the thing about disclosure, I've been uh, sharing some of my thoughts about it in the on the comment section of the Mysterious Universe website. It's it's, it's such a tricky thing because, on one hand, I would love I, I would love it to, to, to happen, you know, so I can finally go out and. Say, I told you so to all the people who made fun of me when I was in high school and I, and, and I, and I told them that I was interested in UFOs and say, Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> those silly right? Yeah. And then if someone like the United States president said, Okay, we can confirm that uh, some UFOs are evidence of an advanced civilization that's coming to the planet Earth, you will finally have your, your revenge, right? But at the same time, I think, do I really, I agree with Greg Bishop when he says, do we really need the endorsement of these uh, figures of authority in order to remain interested in, 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 about UFOs, in order to know that UFOs are real? I mean, do we really need that seal of approval? It's like a paternalistic relationship. We're still... Uh, Look, uh, looking for permission to believe in UFOs from the from from the, from from the authorities and from the scientific community, you know, we wanted to to give give us permission to think this is a a, a real issue. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess for me, it's it's it feels like 
it's slowing it down, right? Like it's not enabling it to uh, us to move forward in, in consciousness and technology or whatever. So that's, I understand what you're saying, but for me, it's like they're, they're putting a, a, a halt. They're putting a halt on the whole thing, right? That's kind yeah. of what, what bugs me about it. I also agree with, with Greg Bishop when he thinks that the, uh, the truth about UFOs is going to come from somewhere completely different from the ufology field. You know, it's going yeah. to be coming out of left field, something completely unexpected, maybe, you know, a major breakthrough in uh, in quantum physics, I know, with, with the, the Large Hadron Collider or whatever, or maybe a breakthrough in uh, with this new uh, project that uh, the Obama administration is preparing to map the human brain, you know, it's it's going to be like uh, something akin to the genome project that, that was undertaken in the, in the 1990s. And yeah. maybe if they finally do this, they, might, they map the human brain and they learn that consciousness is not located in the human brain, that consciousness is some form of epiphenomenon that happens outside the brain, and the human brain is not a generator of consciousness, but more something more like a transmitter of con uh, consciousness, like a TV receptor. Yeah. Then that might cause the paradigm, the paradigm change that will force us to look with new eyes to all these uh, other little annoying uh, anomalies that we try to uh, dismiss as not as silly, silly things. You know, UFOs, ghosts. Bigfoot, you know, the time sleeps, yeah, uh, yeah. reincarnation, Astral all travel, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Precognition, remote viewing, yeah. maybe always, always uh, things will fall into place. Yeah. After yeah. that, previous other thing happens. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts about uh, xenoarchaeology uh, being? the method of disclosure. I saw the presentation from Ben McGee at the UFO Congress and it was pretty fascinating how he was he was trying to go down that road of maybe uh, you know finding some ruins on another planet would be the way that uh, that this whole thing opens up. Yeah, I mean it's possible, you know, there's all all this talk about weird structures that are found uh, on not even on another planet, in our own natural satellite on the, on, on the moon, you know? All yeah. these uh, structures uh, that seem to be uh, de detected by the NASA probes that you uh, kind of see it very blurry on their, on their photographs, and there's thought that they have stored a huge amount of even more detailed photographs showing even more details of, of these ancient structures. Uh, but the problem is who controls the information, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who who can see that uh, those photos? You, they, they, all all these uh, accusations that the some someone in NASA uses a uh, Photoshop to paintbrush to uh, airbrush all these details, you know, in order to to uh, to obscure them, you know, from yeah. the public view. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. It's a possibility, you know. It's 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 the basis of the of the of the movie two thousand one, a space odyssey. Right, right. I kind and of. I, and I also think that it was it was mentioned in a, in a document prepared by the Battelle Institute, on the request 
of, on the request of NASA about the possibility that the NASA might eventually find some uh, archaeological remains from another sub civilization in, in, in one of the planets in the solar system. Oh, yeah, I okay. think they actually yeah. had a procedure for that, didn't they? Well, the procedure was they, they cautioned NASA not to disclose it to the public or to try to disclose <laughs> it very delicately. Otherwise, there will be a major shock in the in the social structure. You know, all the religions of the world will uh, will will find this uh, revelation uh, uh, too startling. Just you know, all the the, the scaremongering of uh, we yeah. all, always heard of. And yeah. then you have Star Trek coming out in the '60s. Exactly. Starting you know? to, and you know, right through till now. Maybe, uh, you know, and Star Trek's a, a tricky one because it always seems like the shit that Star Trek was doing 20, 30 years ago is we're starting to see it now. Like, Star Trek's always been sort of a, almost a... Ahead a of future, the curve? Yeah, almost a, like a future outline. Like, it's it's been spot on a couple times, especially now with 3D printing basically turning into the food replicators and, and shit I, like that. I'm not sure it's something... That of a predictive nature or more like uh, it is inspiring people to try to uh, make that future vision a reality right you know yeah all that's this, a good point yeah. although these young kids who saw the transmitter uh, that captain kirk used to communicate with the enterprise and eventually some of those kids became engineers and then they w started working on cell phones and sooner or later you have the motorola flip cell phone that it's yeah exactly like uh, inspired by the by the star trek uh, communicator right yeah so i think it's like a, a like a not 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 as much as a prediction but as a trying to uh, inspire people to 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 make that vision a reality you know yeah, yeah. that's a real good point i never well, i've never looked at it like that that's well everything point. starts with a thought right everything starts with a thought and an idea yeah and then we go from there. That's how things are physically created. So and some people might, might argue, I'm, I'm actually one of those people, that those ideas might, might be transmitted by something, someone else, you know? Like, I, I view artists as some sort of channelers, yeah. channelers yeah. of information, you know? Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's another deep rabbit hole we... <laughs> we could go down. Yeah, it's all about the rabbit holes, man. It's yeah. the only way you find interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been digging down a rabbit hole for a couple of years now myself. <laughs> Starting to lose sight. Should we take a quick break? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's take a quick break, and um, we'll be right back with more from Red Pill Junkie. back with more with red pill junkie 
Um, have you guys seen that the video with Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, Dr. Sylvester James Gates, I think, about um, finding finding basically computer code and string theory? I've heard about it. I think he, he Neil mentioned it when, when he was in the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. That uh, he told that he wasn't able to follow follow this idea that it was over him. So he wasn't able to, you know, pronounce himself against or for it. Yeah, yeah. That's where I heard it too, I think. Yeah, I, I just watched the video yesterday. It's pretty good. He's kind of blown away by it. Mm. <laughs> but I'd suggest watching it for sure. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, yeah, I just Googled, uh, what did I Googled? Neil deGrasse Tyson computer code or something like that. And okay. It came right up. I th I think Micah was talking about it. That's why I think I went and looked for it. Yeah. Maybe on this week's Graylian report. Yeah, I think so, too. Or it might have been on his MU interview, actually. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It wasn't the last MU interview with, uh, when he talked about his book, The, Sing the UFO Singularity. Yeah, yeah. I got to read that. I'm reading it. This weekend, I think, because I think he's coming on in a couple of weeks. Oh, you, then you better you better read it before the interview, man. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I must yeah, confess, I haven't I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> I'm having a hard time keeping up on my reading. I really am. I I just love I love the audio books. So when once when it's not on audio, it's really hard for me to get get to it. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's hard to go back to reading when you've been doing audiobooks, but I'm, I've just been forcing myself to shut down all your electronics at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock on the weekend and then the last hour. It's a good way to kind of wind yourself down anyway and yeah. sleep a yeah, little better. Some people say that, uh, you know, being uh, in front of the, uh, the computer monitor or watching television or playing a video game just before you're about to go to bed, it affects affects your sleep cycle. So what yeah. you're doing is actually uh, the right thing. Yeah, well, you know, I was going to, because I'm going to be reading so many more books now, I uh, I, I was going to buy one of those little Kindle e-readers because then the mm. books are all cheaper. But then in the end, I decided, you know, I'd rather have books on my bookshelf than a, a, a little piece of electronics, another little piece of electronics. That's one what's one of the other things i love about star trek because even though they were promoting uh, you know the future about and new technologies they also showed the respect about uh, the the traditional uh, culture you know you, you saw always uh, command uh, captain picard reading hamlet on, on yeah. a better bound <laughs> book you know that, yeah. that was that's really cool yeah Hey, I've got a I've got a question for you here. Do you um <clears throat> do you pay attention to the mainstream at all? And and like if so, where do you get uh, your balanced kind of fix uh, on the mainstream from? Because I have a I have a hard time uh, paying attention to it, and sometimes I feel like I'm missing out. But then whenever I do watch it or listen to it, I realize like really I'm not missing much. Uh, when you say mainstream, what exactly are you referring to? Uh, cable TV, I guess, cable oh, news, oh. Uh, ra radio, uh, mainstream political stuff, I guess, or, or news. I guess mainly the news, I guess. Okay. Well, I definitely 
don't watch as much television as I used to, you know. I, uh, more, most of my content not, right now, I get it from directly from, from the net. Uh, I don't follow uh, Mexican television, uh, but I do read uh, a new, the newspaper, you know. There's a, a newspaper in Mexico, uh, Reforma, I'm subscribed to. So yeah. I follow, follow the news there, and I also... Uh, watch uh, or read uh, MSNBC, uh, CNN, and all on all those uh, on all those websites. Yeah, to try to to keep up. No, I think you. I know that nowadays some people uh, prefer to go to Infowars or go to Democracy Now, to, to all these what what you they call alternative news sites. Yeah. And I think that's cool, but you, I think you also need to uh, keep an eye on the what we call the mainstream in order to find uh, a, a proper balance, you know, to try to see what the other uh, alternative sites are reacting to in the first yeah. place. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's, it's hard for me to do that, though, but I that's one of my kind of goals is to, to try and find that balance. Yeah, I think it's it's wrong when people who are interested in these kind of topics, you know, UFOs or ghosts or whatever, they and they only stick to reading uh, UFO magazines, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that if you are interested in UFOs, you also need to read as much about mainstream uh, what's going on in science as possible. You know, you put this all these popular uh, magazines like I don't know, Discover or. Uh, Scientific American or Wired, even Wired, you know? yeah, Wired, yeah. yeah. You, National Geographic. You have to have a, as broader a scope as you can possibly manage yeah. in order to then look at the things the the UFO community is proposing, and then understanding why are they they saying it's got to do up by, about UFOs. Yeah. That's the other thing I just love about Twitter is it's easy to get that easy balance right, right there just on my Twitter feed because I can't sit down and watch the news, mm. but it's easy to follow a little bit of everything and and get your highlights throughout the day. Where can yeah, where can people the, find you on Twitter? The uh, handle is Red Pill Junkie. I think with on uh, underscores on between each uh, between each uh, word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I link to it in the notes too, uh, so people can find you there. You know, I opened my Twitter account just last year. I think last November. Yeah, right after I think we convinced you at Paradigm Symposium. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I resisted it for the <laughs> longest time because it, I thought to myself, and actually, proving me right, that if I join Twitter, then I will be even more uh, drawn into the the, the the internet. You know. Right. It's now, I've yeah. I mean, th there is such a thing as an information overload. Mm -hmm. And how do you find it? The information overload. No. How do you find uh, being on Twitter now? Uh, I mean, it's, it's great fun. You know, you can yeah. uh, you can uh, respond to the tweets of other people as even more quickly than with uh, comments on a website. You know, it's so. I'm definitely addicted to it by now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that right now, let me look up how many tweets I've, I've sent since I opened it. Okay. I'm almost at 6,700 tweets. 
So that's that's about twenty a day. No, it hasn't that's, even been a year. It's only been six months. Yes, November. So that's, so. A, that's fifty a day. <laughs> At minimum. <laughs> Hence the name Red Pill Junkie. Yeah, that's right. So uh, has anything ever strange or unexplainable happened to you? Yes. Yes, it has. Even I wrote about it uh, just about when we were getting back from the Paradigm Symposium. Right. Next, the day after I had uh, arrived to Mexico, oh, right. uh, I saw what I would consider to be a, a UFO. It was a very little light. It lasted less than a second, but it was very weird. It was the motion so quick from uh, left to right and back again that it was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is that I wasn't expecting for it. And that's, right. I think that's a, that's a big component of this phenomenon, that it happens when you least expect it. Yeah. yeah Not right. when you are actually waiting for it. Because I, yeah. I'm the kind of guy that, you know, goes out at night, is, is walking in the park, and is always checking, checking the sky, you know, to see, <laughs> okay, let's see. Yeah, let's see if cool. I, where's the mothership? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, well, I seen mine before I even... Uh, I wasn't even really into the subject yet. It was about four years ago. And I didn't even really get into the subject right after it. I just, I had always kind of believed in, believed it, that it was a big possibility. And mm. when I seen it, it I, you know, I was pretty blown away. There was a few of us. We were kind of, you know, got a little giddy there for a minute. Mm. But, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't life changing or mind blowing. Like it was just like, boom, I think, you know, for a week I was talking about it and then it was just, you know, just like happenstance. I, I actually thought that the goddamn phenomenon was avoiding me because, <laughs> you know, there was a time when my family went on a trip and I decided not to go. I said, I don't want to go. I prefer to stay home, watch TV, play video games or whatever. And when they got back, they told me, okay, you're not going to believe it, but this is I got them UFO. And I was like, God damn it. No? That's that's funny. So it's, yeah. that brings so, me to my sighting, which is weird, is that when I uh, when I came up onto the rooftop hostel in Tel Aviv, my friends were pointing up at the sky, mm. and I was, and they were exclaiming, oh, we're seeing something, or there's a UFO up there. So I ran over to them. And, of course, I'd missed it, too. And I was like, oh, my God, I missed this. So I looked up in the sky, and I was thinking, please come back. Please come back. I want to see you. And then mm. I spotted it. So I totally, I totally know what you mean about the disappointment of thinking that you're missing a sighting. Yeah, because I'm the one who reads about it, who's <laughs> always trying to learn more about it. And, obviously, with UFOs, the, the more you uh, read, the more you learn, the, mo the less you understand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and then uh, I happened to come across several family members and said, okay, yeah, I've, see, I've seen some, uh, a UFO once. And I was, really? <laughs> when When is going to be my time, damn it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny, Darren, you say that uh, it, it's not, it wasn't life-changing, but I, I bet you if you look back in 15 or 20 years, it, you may realize that it's, it changed your life a little more than you thought. Yeah, well, maybe I could see where you could, yeah, I could see where you where that might come up, but it was really more when I started listening to the podcast that I became interested in the subject. So you weren't interested in, in, in the subject when you were a kid? Uh, well, I'd always, 
like I love the X Files and stuff like that. Mm. I guess when I was a kid, I was. But then when I uh, when I first moved out west, it was more. Uh, I kind of lost interest in pretty well everything, but partying down. <laughs> so then I guess once once I once I settled down again with my family, that's and I had more free time on my hands that wasn't set aside uh, for partying. Then that's when I kind of fell back into it. So maybe. I, you could say that interest was there when I was a kid, and maybe it was just on hold. Yeah. Well, with me, uh, as long as I can remember, I've been inter- interested in in this subject and reading books about it, even in grade school. You know. Yeah. I think uh, uh, I was about five years old when I saw the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, oh, and that yeah. had a huge impact in me. Yeah. 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 Me too. And also, there was this, uh, the, what you call the Mexican edition of the of the program, sixty minutes. And there was this one time when they showed a, 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 an episode about this Swiss farmer by the name of Edward Billy Meyer, <laughs> yeah. showing all these amazing, amazing photographs of the of, of the these silvery discs on on a very bucolic green. Uh, a forest uh, background, right? And uh, when I saw that, I was whoa! And obviously, you know, later I uh, studied uh, the story of Billy Mayer, and I became uh, heavily disenchanted with it. Yeah. But, by, but when when you're a kid and you see these videos or these photographs of of these very clearly defined uh, silver discs, you know, on on color photos, you know, say say what you will about the really major photos, but they're among the most beautiful UFO pictures you can find. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's yeah. something, something very powerful about the stark contrast of these technologically pure objects, you know, with with a very, uh, 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 what you'll call it, very natural background. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I agree. Have you ever thought about writing your own book or, or doing your own podcast? Well, the podcast will be a horror You know, I think I, I, I need to improve my, my English skills and also find the time for it. Yeah. Uh, about the book, uh, some people have suggested it to me, you know, uh, Nick Redfern, Mike, and say, okay, why, why don't you write a book uh, yourself? Yeah. And I, right now, I don't see myself do it. You know, it, it takes me such a long time to to try to write something that is worth reading, or at least I think it's worth reading. So, you know, I'm I'm not like Nick. You know, Nick can write, can <laughs> <laughs> churn out a new book every week or what, or something yeah, like yeah, that. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he, if he lends me his army of typewriting monkeys for, for a week, <laughs> maybe I will come up with something. Yeah. Yeah. But until now, no, no. I think I, I, I think I'm happy now with just being a blogger. Yeah, yeah. Well, the time you put into it's definitely worth it because uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely love reading your stuff, and I recommend everyone does. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. But I might, I might write a book one day. We'll see. I'm kind of happy with podcasting for now. I, I have trouble writing too. It takes me a long time to write a piece that I'm happy with. So that's kind of where I I can I'm pretty good at yapping, so it's kind of easier for me to do 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 my things in this kind of 
a platform, I guess, instead. But I, I still plan to write whenever I, whenever I find something I want to get out there. Yeah, well, well, I do believe that the creative process involves what you might call a phase of fermentation, you know? When you're not really uh, doing something, uh, making some external output, you are just, you know, taking, taking it all in, letting it rest in your mind, letting it boil inside your head. And then uh, you'll find yourself that uh, after a while, something will pop up and you have something uh, minimal, meaningful to say, you know? Yeah. yeah. But there is there is definitely a, a phase of contemplation in the creative process. Yeah. So what about your favorite uh, kind of mystery or conspiracy? I mean, you do you do write about a lot of different things. You, you research a lot of different things. Your, your knack of, of finding... <clears throat> these little things and adding them to people's forums is just amazing. So what what do you really like the most out of all these genres? Well, UFOs definitely is uh, my favorite car subject in the Fortean yeah. world, you know. I also interested in cryptozoology, you know. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I was very interested in the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I read uh, the book written by Tim Dinsdale, you know the guy who, who, filmed, well, a strange uh, object uh, moving about the, the the waters of the of the lake. Uh, I read that, and when you're a kid, you're convinced. Oh my God, how cool is that to think that there is a lake in Europe when there is a living pleasure shore or a family of pleasure shores, uh, still alive to this day. Uh, yeah. But now, you know, as the, as the years progress and you see how even the Robert Ryan's uh, underwater photos have been debunked of the f or the famous surgeon uh, photo with, the, you know, the image with the long neck. Yeah, yeah. And say that, that it's, a, it's a hoax. So now, uh, right now, I think Bigfoot, it's, it's, it's my favorite cryptid. Right, right. But yeah. definitely, when it comes to... to to all this, you know, UFOs will be my first, my first love, you know. What about the roping? I'd like, to, I like, I think the roping's my favorite. I want to see a giant ass pterodactyl flying around tearing shit up. Mm. <laughs> Do you think that's responsible for the native Thunderbird legends too, or is what? that different? Maybe, maybe it, there's something about about that, or maybe when you read about. The Mothman prophecies and all these things, you start to consider uh, even more alternative uh, ideas, uh, like, I don't know, uh, thought forms, tulpas, all that things, all, the, all, all those things. Uh, I really think it's quite unlikely that you still have a, a prehistoric uh, giant bear that is hiding itself in some remote parts of the, of the United States, you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah, when so, I think of Thunderbird, I think of like a Klingon bird of prey. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost easier to believe in a tulpa or, a, or that type of uh, scenario than it being a leftover uh, ancient uh, pterodactyl type thing. Yeah, and even some people say that the darkness monster is some kind of <laughs> a ghost or interdimensional being that was called out by Aleister Crowley when he was doing some 
weird magic sex orgies <laughs> in his private house there in, the, in Lake Inverness, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I like to consider both both uh, both ideas. You know, when it yeah, comes to yeah. Bigfoot, I don't have a problem visiting uh, Crypto Mundo when they are uh, most of the people there. They are uh, very orthodox in their views about uh, these things. They think, okay, it must be some kind of un unknown primate that is yet to be discovered. But there's nothing really uh, paranormal about it. You know, it's a biological flesh and blood, flesh and blood being, right? Yeah. It it uh, eats, it sleeps, it shits. It must die somewhere, and somewhere there must be a, a, a bigfoot carcass that we haven't just found yet. But then you see people like Nick Redfin and saying, "Okay, but how come we've never found a body? How about all these uh, stories of people who have?" Uh, shot at Bigfoot, and and the bullets have just uh, ricocheted out of it, out of out of its body, you know, or yeah. the Bigfoots that are, have been seen along with UFOs, you know, in Pennsylvania, I think it was the Silent Invasion book. I, I I don't remember who who wrote it, but all these weird. Uh, just juxtapositions of different phenomena that the cryptozoologists they just don't want to pay attention to. You know, they want to they keep the thing they've done. You know, tracking the footprints and putting their uh, their their trail cams and getting ready for when they finally capture one of these beings. You know, even at, either alive or death. I suppose it's sort of like the same thing that's going on on the UFO front, right? You've got exactly, you've got exactly. the old the old nuts and bolts crowd, and then you've got the new guys like Micah and, and Richard Dolan coming in, and with with the new things, and some of the old guys just just aren't ready to hear it yet. Yeah, well, that's what that's what's part of the criticism some people raise with this uh, past uh, the hearings, the citizen hearing on on disclosure how. Uh, they should have sticked to the nuts and bolts part of the phenomenon, you know, the, is only uh, paying attention to the close encounters of the second kind when you have uh, traceable evidence, you know, rather returns or maybe, you know, burn grass or whatever, you know. But then you have people like Stephen Greer who, stands to, who th thinks he can uh, communicate with the UFOs with meditation, and not that I discount that. I actually think that consciousness plays an important role in the in the phenomenon. But the problem is, if you want to try to make a valid argument that will be considered by our current materialistic science, if you start talking about uh, meditation and reincarnation and all those things. People will take you less seriously. That's that's the that's the problem with the UFO. Yeah, that's that's kind of that. That was my thought on it as well. I I hadn't heard a lot of it, but like I I had heard on MU the some of the stuff that Linda Moulton Howe and and Richard Greer were saying, and it it's kind of when you think of the audience that they were presenting it to, it was a little bit overboard. Like I'm I I I'd consider myself part of the community. And even that stuff is a bit of a stretch for me. So someone who's just being introduced to the phenomena, it's got to just blow them right out of the water, I would think. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, you have to go baby steps, you know, trying to say, okay, raise the issue that UFOs are real, that people uh, with good credentials, you know, with uh, proper training in observation have, have seen them, have not been able to identify them, you know, military pilots, uh, uh, commercial pilots, you know, uh, Navy personnel, astronomers. And then from there, you can might try to consider uh, where the, the phenomenon will lead you. I, th I think what happens in this situation is Stephen Bassett and Stephen Greer and Linda Moulton Howell go so far back to the mid-90s and when Stephen Greer did his disclosure thing, it's almost it's almost impossible for Bassett to leave them out of this, right? It, yeah. It's like he's kind of probably forced to, 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 to put them inside. I mean, I just, my, my issue with with people talking about it is how negative, like how negative the UFO community is to itself, right? I, I, everybody's doing what they can to move the thing forward, and everybody's got their own thing. And I, I wish there was just a little bit more acceptance in the community for for what everybody's trying to do. Well, it's exactly the difference between uh, the ufology community approach and proper scientific approach. You know, with the sci with science, you have uh, things like peer review. You review journals, you know, you you make a study and you show it to uh, your peers, you know, your colleagues, and you tell them, okay, please tell me what you think, criticize it. But yeah. with UFOs, everybody is trying to keep their, 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 their cards close to their chest, as it were, you know. If, if someone uh, steps in other people's toes, you know, you say, hey, why, why are you investigating this case? This is my case, you know. You, yeah. you stay, out of, stay out of it, you know. This is my witness, you know. Nobody, nobody talks with these witnesses except me. Yeah, <laughs> you have all this entrenched, uh, you know, isolation uh, between investigators. People don't want to share what they know, or they, they don't want to give good leads to other people, so they might uh, take the investigation further. Why? Because well, people in the UFO community make a living by selling books, selling the stories. So you don't want another competitor to uh, break the news before you. It's, that's exactly what happened with Bill Moore when he was uh, he received the, the infamous Majestic 12 documents and he wanted to have t enough proper time to investigate and to see if they were real or not. But then they told him, you know, uh, you better hurry up because another, another of your colleagues is going to write a book about it soon. And so he was forced to rush and go and publish it before the other guy and that's why this story broke up and that's why it ultimately you know ended his career do you think that that still happens now i mean i could see it happening back then but do you think that that's still an issue now um there's really not a lot of money in it though for people with their books i mean i know some people make uh, a living on their books but not a lot I, I think uh, uh, just a handful of, of, of people in the community can actually make a living out of, yeah. the, out of it, you know, Stanton yeah. Friedman yeah. is always in the, in the, in the lecture circuit, yeah. Rich Dolan maybe, yeah. Milton Howe, but you know, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, if you're interested in UFOs, you know, stick with your day job. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what that's we so do. We, 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 I mean, if you think you're gonna make a, 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 a big money out of it, you know, please think again.
Yeah, it's not like uh, work by day, podcast by night, pretty much. It's got to be a passion. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be a passion. If you're not doing it uh, for the right reasons, if you are just uh, not passionate enough about it, then you're only going to be sticking to your old to your old guns, you know, going about the same old cases, you know, saying nothing new, uh, then, you know, eventually you, you will be discarded, I think, you know. back with Red Pill Junkie from uh, the Daily Grail and Mysterious Universe and Trepid Magazine and others. Grimerica. And now Grimerica, yeah. So um, we were just having a, a pretty cool little chat in the break there about... Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about the social networks and, and how people will try to find ways to stay off the grief, you know? Oh, right? yeah, staying off the camera. Yeah, yeah, and hipster uh, coffee shops now saying they're Wi-Fi free. And, you know, if you, you can't wonder if that'll be the new resort thing. Uh, definitely, you know, maybe some lost island in the Bahamas when people won't be allowed to use any kind of cell phone or, or tablet, you know, and so they will be able to make, you know, Roman orgies <laughs> right on the pool table, the pool or something. Sign me up. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't think we got to worry about anyone taking pictures of what we're doing just yet. Well, not just yet, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to live that kind of lifestyle. Can you imagine? I would have got myself into shit quite a few times when I was younger. Yeah. Yes, especially these kids like, I don't know, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera who, who attained fame at such an early age, you know? So they never had a chance to have a, a, a normal childhood, a normal, a normal uh, adolescence. No, they had, they had to cope with the be, being so popular, and the people wanting to to follow them everywhere. You know that must be unnerving. I wonder if anyone's working on something like that, photo jamming or photo invisibility, because it's got to oh, be easier to, it, you know, it reminds light. Me, it, re, it reminds me of that novel uh, of Philip K. Dick as Connor <laughs> Darkly. I knew you were gonna say Philip Dick, yeah. <laughs> Philip K. Dick. Yeah. The, that movie, we, uh, well, uh, Keanu Reeves uh, started that the, uh, these uh, agents of the DAA were using some kind of, I don't I don't remember the term, some kind of scrambling suit that will n allow them to remain anonymous, you know? I think that sooner or later we're going to see something like that, you know? You, you use that, and even if someone takes a picture of you, the 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 image will scramble 
or something. Yeah. Yeah, or even suits that can change your face and stuff like that won't be. Yeah, far exactly. Off. Exactly. And it's getting close. Like it seems like every every week there's some crazy medical breakthrough that medical or technological breakthrough that's just shoving you down that road further and further. Yeah. Yeah, no, there was, uh, I don't, a, a Times magazine uh, cover with a picture of a baby saying this, this baby is going to be, live to be 120 or something like that. Yeah, and, and I've even heard people say that the, the, the children that will live forever have already been born. Yeah, something to that effect. But, you know, I'm worried about that because it's, it has the potential to divide the human race even yeah. further. You know, yeah. the the, yeah. the Eloi and the Morlocks, the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. You know, the yeah. people that... Have you seen the trailer for the movie Elysium? Yeah, I have. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's where, exactly... Where they you live see, off Earth. Yeah, they live off Earth. They're super, super, super rich. And you see this uh, uh, girl who you think is in his late 20s. And he has his her own uh, medical scanner and detects, uh, you know, the 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 and the niche, the the beginning of some tumor, uh, some cancer tumor, and it automatically er eradicates it. So they say, okay, so this woman maybe he's in he, she's in her fifties or something. You yeah. know, she's going to live forever if he, he if she has uh, that uh, capacity, you know. Yeah, and that yeah, I can it could definitely become a problem. Hopefully we can use uh, the technology that the te technology that needs to be developed kind of along the road to get us there will hopefully start addressing some of these problems along the but, way. But at the same time you have the problem of overpopulation. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where um that's where, I, like, personally, I think GMOs and things like this are, are going to become an, an inevitable part of the future. Like, yeah. Like, to me, in 100 years or even in 50 years, probably closer to 100, people might look back and say, you know, I can't believe those motherfuckers used to kill and eat cows. Yeah. Why would they even do that? We can just grow this shit and make it taste well, however you want. Yeah. Be better for you. And we don't have to... You know, I can just see, it seems like we're in a weird transition period right now, but I mean, maybe it's because the science isn't quite there yet, or, or people are still kind of skeptical skeptical about it, but to me, it's, it's inevitable, and that, to me, is the cure for, for world hunger and things like this, and, you know, fusion technology coming about along the way can only further, further, like... Uh, in my future, I'd like to say in the next 20 years that a lot of this, hopefully a lot of this world hunger and and stuff like this starts to see some relief. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting how in India, the cow is a sacred animal. You're not allowed to eat it. So maybe in 100 years, the cows will be completely banned from the earth. Because if you think about it, you know, the cattle, it, it puts a lot of strain in the environment, in our food and water resources, even in our atmosphere, you know, the, yeah. all the cow farts or the, uh, that are uh, expelling methane to the atmosphere, and methane is a, a, a very serious uh, 
how you call it, uh, greenhouse gas, yeah. gas, exactly. No, I remember that how uh, Mica on the Grayland report uh, uh, took, uh, talked about the subject of lab-grown meat, and he was kind of dismissive about it. He said, "No, thanks, but I stick to my <laughs> my beer to my burgers." And then I commented and said, "Well, you know, you might want to do that, but the problem is that you have eight billion people." Uh, who wants to have the same access to meat than you, yeah. and you, there's just no way to 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 create that amount of uh, of meat uh, in this natural or in, traditional in way. way. In a exactly. Way. You know? yeah. So yeah. either we came up, we come up with some kind of lab-grown meat that will uh, allow us to feed all the people of the world, or we're going to have to genetically alter the human population so they can uh, reduce the intake of nutrients they need something like that or even yeah. just where it comes down to your your uh, eating a couple pills each day yeah maybe we'll become just like the grays they, you know all those mo all those uh, speculations that the grays uh, they instead of eating uh, by the mouth is chewing their food they like spread it on their skin and they, yeah, they, just they absorb it that way. They absorb it like plants or something. <laughs> I don't know. know. Late, lately, I've been drinking more uh, smoothies like kale, kale, uh, and frozen fruit smoothies with a bunch of protein powders and and uh, greens and all that stuff. Chaga mushroom and all. And and I uh, I'm eating way less. Like I really, I I think I'm getting a lot of what I need out of uh, some of that type of stuff. I once read an article that, about some scientists that was proposing the idea that the human population should re reduce its size. Not about, uh, I mean, I mean the stature, you know, like I'm six foot four. So obviously <laughs> I need way more food and water than a people who is, a person who is just, I don't know, five foot or yeah. five, right? Yeah. So, what he was proposing, the scientist was, well, maybe we should try to alter, genetically alter humanity so that uh, people will reduce uh, their size and, and so we will they will reduce their, their needs. <laughs> Obviously, a, a few of us in our daily gravity say, what the hell? You know? I'm happy with being six foot four. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, I'm pretty good. And I don't, I don't like being five foot five. I'd rather be or five foot six. I'd rather be six foot myself. So yeah, I want. Yeah, you don't want to be shrinking down. I wanted to be seven foot. But <laughs> I, I don't get. <laughs> Fell a little short. Yeah. So are you going to Paradigm this year? No, definitely. I yeah. need to buy the tickets though, but no, I'm definitely going. Yeah, I got to buy a ticket there too. I, I don't know. I, it's still my my. I'm having. Uh, a baby on the, I think we're due like November sixth or tenth or something. So really, yeah. So it's gonna be a touch and go, but I think I'm gonna go anyway. And just, I mean, I can be home in five hours realistically. Okay. If I need to be, because I think I think there's three or four flights a day. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to meeting you guys again. I mean, last last year was an unbelievable experience for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Meeting all these like-minded people who were so polite, so friendly. Yeah, so open-minded. Exactly, you know. I yeah. think 
many people, uh, even, you know, regular attendees to these kinds of conferences were highly impressed with the atmosphere that was uh, created uh, by, thanks to the hard work of our friends Micah and Scotty Roberts, you know. Yeah. Hopefully we will be able to recreate the same atmosphere yeah, once again. I, th I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of uh, returning faces, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. You know, there will be uh, our friend Candy, you know, from Al from Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> and her sister, Lame Carmen. <laughs> yeah, I can't and wait. There's also going to be uh, Ben, Aaron, and Elliot. They they going to bring Elliot now, too. Oh, are they coming? They're coming again for sure this year? Yes, definitely. Oh, so that, yeah, that'll be good. I got to try and make it to that. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I got to go for it. The only thing that might change my plans is if the baby comes early. and Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? If there's signs right before. But, I mean, the chances, it'll be, I think it'll be early enough. I should be all right. But family comes first, so. Oh, of course. But if you have the chance, it will be great. Maybe we could record one of these uh, podcast sessions uh, during our stay. Well, yeah, yeah. that's what, that's what yeah, I was thinking great. is like... Uh, because there's probably three or four podcasting people that'll be there. You know, maybe we could all get together and have a big round table or something. Yeah, that would be great. They wanted to do that uh, with the Grillian Report at the Mysterious Universe, but unfortunately, uh, the, uh, at the final hour, they couldn't do that. You know, there were so many last-minute things to deal with, so uh, it was put on hold. Yeah, this year they'll be a little more prepared, I'd imagine. I hope so. But yeah, we're having Scotty and Mike on uh, in the next, in the coming episodes here. So I'd imagine we'll hear all about uh, the plans for the this year's paradigm. Mm. Did you hear the story that Micah told in, on the plus section of Mysterious Universe? Yep. Yeah, about going up the mountain and the little girl. Well, the voice of a little girl. Yeah. That creeped him out. Yeah, kid, like, well, like, Aaron was saying kids are creepier than like, um, like even when I watch a movie, the creep when the kids the creepy one that that shit's creepy to me. That's creepier to me than when it's just some axe murder or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that Japanese movie Ringu. You know? Oh yeah, girl. that shit is <laughs> fucked up. Man. That yeah. is that's too much. I just like how he how he didn't discount the uh, the experience either, right? Because I've had some experiences where I've physically felt things like in uh in a Reiki session or in a meditation, mm. uh like a meditation to activate chakras where I've physically felt uh something happening in my body and it's similar to hearing something like that, right? And it, it was a real experience for me. So I just liked hearing Micah uh <clears throat> talk about that and not discount it as a figment of his imagination. You know, even though that may be one of the possibilities, that wasn't kind of where he, he went with it. Yeah, I think that he is opening up more to these kinds of uh, experiences and ideas. He used to be a little more uh, skeptical about it, but ever since he went to the uh, Hidden Experience uh, podcast with Mike Leland, and Mike asked him, okay, so have you had any kind of paranormal experiences? Oh, yeah, the synchronicities. And, yeah, and Mike said, no, nothing. Said, oh, how about synchronicities? Oh, yeah, plenty of them. He said, well, why do you think that synchronicities aren't paranormal experiences? And I think that clinched in Michael, like, make him say, huh, and make him reappraise his experiences, you know? Interesting. 
not just discounted in them. Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. I'm sure that this was just a dream. This was just a pigment of my imagination. You know, you yeah. need to pay attention, like Mike yeah. says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard him on that. That was a good episode. Speaking of creepy kids, did you ever see that Star Trek episode, like the original Shatner and Nimoy, where they went to that planet and it was nothing but those crazy kids? No, I don't think I have. Oh, that was a good one. I remember we, I remember we watched that in school for some reason. We watched it in like grade ten or grade eight, maybe. That's weird. Yeah, it well, was weird. I was like, why are we watching this? I was cool with it because I like Star Trek and it was cool, but it. Well, it's, it's interesting when you start to re- learn about all these things that a lot of uh, paranormal phenomena seem to center around uh, kids around the age of 11 or 12 years old, you know, just about when they are going to hit the puberty. Yeah, There's, there's something about that. There's something about maybe the, their brains going in overdrive uh, because of all these hormonal changes in their body and maybe they become more open more attuned more sensible to to things that than the adults you know that's why you see uh, you hear about poltergeist on or demonic possessions or all all these things happening to kids around that age yeah, well, hopefully my kids don't have to go through anything like that. I can't, I can't remember, you know, if I, uh, I've decimated my memory too much to think back that far. But I, I okay. remember when I watched the Unsolved Mysteries one time, where they showed that those creepy little alien things that crawled across the ceiling and they look like spiders. Mm. I don't know if you ever seen that, but I remember I watched that episode and like. For like weeks after that, I swore I seen those things all over my fucking place. Mm, that yeah. would probably been when I was around that age, but I think it was more of uh, watching things I shouldn't have been watching. Let me ask you something. What will you do if one of your kids will come to you and say, hey, daddy, I think I saw something in my bedroom or something like, you know, a face watching me or whatever. How would you react to, to that? Well, you know... I've thought about that before, and I think the only way that I can react is by telling her that um, I've got to tell her it's not real. I can't. I can't put in a child's head. Yeah. To to start thinking that monsters are real, you know, when she gets to an old enough age, I'd be willing to open up that that box. But I mean, you know, at this age, even when the fish die, I try and hide it from her. You know what I mean? Mm. There's certain things that need to be wait for certain times, because you know, if my six year old daughter comes and tells me that you know she's got a ghost in her or a monster in her closet i can't start explaining to her different theories about what it could be <laughs> you're gonna it's, say yeah, yeah, yeah gonna say, it, there might be a portal yeah it could be ethereal <laughs> but you know did it have horns did it have a yeah. you know. it's better if i just I, I need to play it off like you know no there's no such thing as monsters to a certain extent, as yeah, I know what you mean, but you, you you want to make an environment of security around your, uh, your around your children, right? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, at the same time, I don't really believe in monsters, monsters either. I I don't know. I got I, I just couldn't see myself telling my kid that. Yeah, there well, there might be a monster in your closet, yeah. but. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's best if you just uh, tell her or him that it's uh, something he imagined. Yeah, something. exactly. Part of his imagination. And and you're probably not lying to them. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then when she gets older, I mean, she's going to figure out that her dad's a bit out there eventually anyway, so... But are you going to hide from her all your books about UFOs, you know, even if they have, you know, the the famous communion book with the the image of the gray and the cover, you know, would you <laughs> hide it from her? No, no, I, I I try not to hide anything from her. When she's old enough to to read stuff like that, then by all means, I I'll encourage whatever road she decides she wants to go down. Well, I read that book when I was in my late teens. I think I was 17, 16. And I had to sleep with the uh, light on <laughs> for about six months, man. <laughs> I couldn't go to bed with the, with the lights off, you know. The goddamn book creeped me out. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, had... remember, uh, I remember it was Jaws for me when I first saw the movie Jaws. I couldn't go mm. in the water for a while. Even in the lake, like there's zero chance of a shark being there. But... Oh, yeah, my, my, my bigger, bigger sister, Angelica, you know, she hates sharks because of that movie. You know, she wants all her sharks to be exterminated, exterminated from the face <laughs> of the earth because of Jaws. <laughs> I'd like to go... Um... I plan to go sometime in my life down. I think in San Francisco they offer um, cage, cage, oh. cage dives with great whites. I'd I'd really like to see one of those face to face. If I if I'm I, in a cage, I wouldn't like to do that. But uh, I would like maybe to dive with one of those uh, whale sharks. You know? Yeah, but I was actually I was just down in Mexico in uh, Puerto Morales. Mm. And we wanted to do that, but it was the wrong season. Yeah. Well, uh, when when is the season when you can uh, dive th- with? The- I think it's maybe spring. Because mm. we were there in January, and we, I think I can't remember. We were either a couple months late for it or a couple months early. But yeah, well, it, it looked amazing. Maybe we should kind. Maybe we should organize some trip, you know, uh, get everybody, you know, uh, you and Graham and Mike and Caleb and go to, I don't know, Palenque or Chichen Itza. Yeah. It'll be a cool trip, you know? Yeah, yeah. I went to Chichen Itza. It blew me away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there was so many. um, The only thing that was kind of disheartening is so many people chasing me down trying to sell me things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I can see where they need to make some money too. It's like that in Egypt too. Believe me, it's really bad in Egypt. And then yeah, they're like, "Yeah, this is fifty cents." And then by the time you get over there, it's back up to ten bucks. And it's like, "Yeah, but," or you know, "This is three bucks." And then by the time you got your wallet out, it's up to fifteen. Yeah, it's almost yeah, free. Yeah. Almost free. Yeah. Yeah, you have the same thing in Teotihuacan. You know, here closer to Mexico City. Yeah. You know all the. Uh, street vendors and uh, the chasing around the the people they know they have dollars <laughs> they they know how to pinpoint and I'm trying to stay with them like leeches <laughs> yeah I like Chinchin Itza I like Tulum too I like Tulum was a little more refreshing because it was on the on the ocean yeah Chinchin Itza was Chichen Itza was hot 
it's interesting because in the, they show you in Tulum what they call the uh, butterfly god, you know, a, a guy like, it's like a bas relief of a human figure like coming down from the sky. I remember when I went there, some people say, oh yeah, that's a that's an ancient astronaut <laughs> coming down from, from space. Yeah, I seen and I seen uh, I seen a couple things that I had seen on Ancient Aliens for sure. I can, I got pictures of everything. I mean, I I've been meaning to put them up on the website for I guess three or four months now. Yeah. I almost got started. Now I have to I have to do a bunch of more changes to the website. So I'm not really putting anything on there for uh, other than the podcast probably for the next couple of weeks. Do you read about the pyramid that was uh, raised in Belize, I think? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's just terrible. Yeah, I think uh, the same thing has happened in Mexico many, many times. You know, the oil company uh, when was prospecting from uh, wells in the state of Tabasco. They destroy a lot of Olmec ruins. Well, and it, can... breaks, it breaks my heart because imagine... <laughs> Imagine maybe there was hidden, you know, the the key to solving the mystery of of these ancient civilizations. You know, maybe there was there was some remnant from I don't know Atlantis or whatever. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking about the other day. Is you know, if that's the one you hear about, I wonder how many of these uh, different sites in the jungle that oil companies or logging yeah. companies are discovering, and they're just not telling anybody. Yeah, you'll never hear about hear about it because they destroy them without permission, you know. Yeah, exactly, and just erase it from the face of the earth because they know damn well if they start telling people that they're not going to get their trees or they're not going to get their oil or what have you. Yeah, they're cutting cutting up some trees and maybe they they dug up some the uh, the skeleton of a giant and <laughs> a nine foot giant and they then destroyed it because it was it was going to be such a hassle <laughs> whatever happened with that documentary that was remember they were that documentary was supposed to prove that the maya had contact and ah, it was, it was supposed a, to come out last fall and then it just disappeared yeah it was a scam it was a scam eh? yeah the, this guy uh, i don't remember his name he claimed to be the son of the famous actor raul julia uh and he claimed he was making some documentary uh, that was backed by the Mexican government that is going to prove the Mayas had uh, contact with extraterrestrials. What I, what I think happened is this guy uh, managed to dupe some investors and ran with the money. Huh. Maybe he even managed to dupe some uh, a few low-level uh, uh, officials in the... Mexican Department of Tourism, you know, but the story was a hoax. Yeah, well, you'd imagine the Department of Tourism is ready to run with anything like that if they can start bringing in more people. Yeah, they try to uh, exploit the Mayan apocalypse car last year, you know, and say, well, you know, <laughs> if the girls, the the world's gonna go, maybe the safest place to be is near those ruins, you know. So you better come here and bring your dollars too. Yeah, well, I would think it'd be the worst place to be, but because <laughs> yeah. maybe that's where, if you look at apocalyptic apocalyptic events as being 
regional instead of global, then they maybe they could have very well been just predicting their own demise, if they were predicting demise at all, which I never really thought they were. Yeah, me too. It's I amazing think. how many people just jump right on that ship. Well, I think people, many people have something of a death wish, you know? Yeah, it seems crazy to me. Like, I don't know. To me, it's always, even Y2K and then the 2012, it's always been like, no, that's not happening. Come on. Yeah, I'm amazed by what they call the prepper, the prepper culture in the in the United States. All these people that are willing to uh, devote themselves to build a bunker and, uh, and store as many weapons as they can. So if their neighbors come running down to them, they will be able to shoot them out, you know. Yeah, and, if their neighbors know, need food, they can blow them away. Survive a couple of more years after civilization crumbles down, you know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that, you know. No, I, I, I'll cut my losses. Yeah, if the shit's going to hit the fan, then, uh, then I would rather go, I don't know, like the Romans, you know. With a big party, you know, say, okay, I enjoyed myself. I have no regrets, you know, so. Let's go. If it's, if it's time to go, let's go. Did you see the, have you seen the trailer for World War Z? I no, that. I haven't. Oh, oh, creepy. That's a crazy zombie movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty creepy. I'm getting sick of zombie movies, but that's a new angle at it for sure, where the zombies are just piling up against that. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, American culture definitely has a fetish with the zombie. The I've, zombie I've never thing. understood that myself. Maybe they're I, getting. I maybe they're. Get well, if they're fucking getting us ready for ancient aliens, maybe they're getting us ready for zombies. Well, when back in the fifties, uh, the zombie was kind of a cultural criticism of uh, of uh, ca capitalism. You know, you devote all your life and energy to try to make ends meet, you know, keeping up with the Jonesons. Sooner or later, you, you, you don't realize you became a goddamn zombie. Man. Huh. A mindless drone, you know, just trying to uh, 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 go with the system. Eat your think, way through. Exactly. So I think there's something of that. And now there's something about, you know, people uh, wishing a... Uh, uh, a way to anarchy, I think, you know. People are really looking forward to the goddamn zombie apocalypse because they will be able to to take out their chainsaw, their shotguns, you know, and start shooting shooting everything that moves, you know. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose uh, we should wrap it up here. We're starting to run a little bit long. Um, I guess we might as well... Might as well throw it out there now that uh, that Red has agreed to come on every couple of episodes with us here at uh, the Grimerica show and uh, fill us up, fill us in on what's going on with the world of Fortiana. So um, we'd like to thank you for that, of course, Red. Thanks a lot for coming aboard. Guys, I mean, thank you so much for inviting me. This has been so fun. I'm definitely ready to uh, make this. Uh, as often as you want me to, you know, it'll be, it'll be an, an amazing experience. That's great. Yeah, it's been really good chatting with you, and, and I can't wait to see you again in October at the Paradigm Symposium. Yeah, yeah. Get your tickets ready if you haven't bought it yet, people. Yeah, yeah we better get them soon before they sell out, eh? But, okay, well, uh, and that'll end our chat with Red Pill Junkie. Thanks, and uh, come back real soon. 
Thanks. Adiós. So that was our chat with Red Pill Junkie. I really enjoyed it, Graham. How'd you find oh, it? Oh, I thought it was fa- fantastic. Yeah, I think it's just excellent. He's decided to become a regular staple, so I think we'll have him probably every two or two or three episodes. He can come on and bring us up to date. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting with him on a regular basis. It's pretty funny that he was talking about... Um, everyone flocking to Mexico for 2012 and the end of the world. Um, because actually when, when me and my wife were down there for our honeymoon, the first week of January, uh, the ruins were all like uh, parts of them were closed off because of the damage from the 2012 people that showed up. <laughs> so I guess there was just tens of thousands of people crammed in there and crawling on everything and wow. breaking shit. And that was pretty funny. And then I thought it was pretty funny how, uh, we launched our website on that same day uh, the calendar ended. So Yeah, that was when Grey America officially started. Yeah, f- uh, f- December 21st. Uh, with, we, we, we rung in the new year with the new Bach tune, so that's pretty neat. And speaking of first, I've got our first book here. Came in the mail, Care of Grey America, The Voice of Rolling Thunder. It's a medicine man's wisdom for walking the red road. Oh, yeah, the Stanley Krippner one. Yep. So I'm looking forward to starting that. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Stanley uh, Krippner is a PhD, a psychologist. I think he's a, a parapsychologist, too, and he's got some pretty neat uh, some pretty neat ideas and has done some pretty interesting research, so he'll be fun to talk to. He's coming up probably um, in the first or second week of June. We'll have that out. But Have, have you started the book yet? Uh, no. Oh, when are you starting? Uh, as soon as we hang up. <laughs> are you starting tonight? Yeah, I'm try to start it tonight. I still got to finish the UFO Singularity today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I have like 35 pages after. I'm on chapter, like the second last chapter. It's like uh, the observers or the controllers or something like that. Yeah, the last chapter is really good. So you got The conclusion? Yeah. Or the, yeah. Or the one where he's talking about like Mac Tony's where it kind of gets dark. It starts with the Mac Tony's quote. I think. Yeah, yeah, they're they're both good. The end of the book is good. Yeah, and all the topics and websites that we've talked about too will be uh, listed in the show notes along with the music. Um, anything else you have to add to that, Darren? Okay, well, uh, I'd like to put out a big thanks to Red Pill Junkie again for coming on and and agreeing to be a, a regular guest. Uh, we'll see you next week with Micah Hanks. Graham, um, it's been a good time. Yeah, we're officially on iTunes now, too, so uh, download us on iTunes. Oh, yeah, and yeah, if you have time, leave a review. And thanks for listening, guys, and we'll, uh, we'll see, you, see you when we see you. See you later. Ciao.